0: are listening to Lighthearted, the official podcast of the United States Lighthouse Society. My name is Jeremy Dontremont. We are here in luxurious Study Room 3 of the Portsmouth Public Library in scenic Portsmouth, New Hampshire. For listeners who might not be familiar with the New Hampshire seacoast region, Portsmouth is a small city that developed on the banks of the Piscataqua River in the 1600s. It was one of the busiest ports of colonial America, and that's why Portsmouth Harbor, was the site of the first lighthouse north of Boston in the American colonies in 1771. With me today is my co-host, Michelle Jewell Shaw of Friends of Portsmouth Harbor Lighthouses. Thank you for being with me again today, Michelle.
1: You're very welcome, Jeremy. It's my pleasure. I love being here at the luxurious study room 3 at the Portsmouth Public Library, especially when it's to discuss lighthouses.
0: Yeah, it is a beautiful study room, isn't it? It is. Well, on today's edition of Lighthearted, we're going to listen to an interview with Casey Moulton of the Braddock Point Lighthouse on Lake Ontario in New York. It's another light station where you can spend the night. But first, we're going to go right into our lighthouse history segment. Last time, we told you about one of the world's great early lighthouses, the Cordouan Lighthouse in France. Today, we're going to talk about a very famous lighthouse in England.
1: Eddystone is probably the best known lighthouse in the world. A succession of four different towers have marked the Eddystone rocks, 13 miles southwest of Plymouth, England. The earliest tower at Eddystone, completed in 1698, was the first lighthouse to be built in the open sea. It was built by an eccentric showman by the name of Henry Winstanley.
0: Winstanley, who was born in 1644, was an artist and engineer. One of his claims to fame is that he had designed a set of playing cards that was very popular and sold well. His own house at Essex was filled with whimsical machines of his own design, and it became an attraction known as the Essex House of Wonders. In the 1690s, he opened a theater known as Winstanley's Waterworks in London. The waterworks combined fireworks, fountains, and machines of all kinds, including something called the Wonderful Barrel that served visitors hot and cold drinks from the same apparatus.
1: When Stanley became a merchant and invested in five ships, two of which were wrecked on the Eddystone rocks, he wondered why nothing had been done to prevent such wrecks and vowed to do something about it. Construction of a lighthouse began on July 14, 1696, when Stanley designed an octagonal tower to be built from Cornish granite and wood, with a glass lantern enclosing candles that would provide the light. It took four months to drill 12 holes into the rock in preparation for the foundation.
0: Britain and France were at war at the time the lighthouse was built. Almost a year into construction, in June 1697, a French privateer destroyed the work that had been done up to that time. The French vessel carried Winstanley away as a prisoner, but Louis XIV ordered his release. France is at war with England, he said, not with humanity.
1: Following his release, when Stanley returned to the construction site and work resumed. The 80-foot-tall lighthouse was completed in November 1698, on November 14th when Stanley himself climbed into the lantern and lit the tallow candles for the first time. The tower took a pounding from storms through its first winter, and when Stanley had it encased in a new superstructure to give it more protection, raising its height to 120 feet.
0: The work, completed during the summer of 1699, left the tower larger and stronger. When Stanley's drawing of the improved lighthouse became a bestseller, the rebuilt lighthouse survived the next three winters without incident. Then came the Great Storm of November 1703, a storm that today would probably be classified as a Category 2 hurricane. Many thousands of oaks in England's forests were destroyed, 2,000 chimneys blew down in London. Many ships were blown off course, and more than 1,000 seamen died in the Goodwin Sands at the southern end of the North Sea.
1: The Church of England declared that the storm was God's vengeance for the sins of the nation. At St. James Palace in London, the Queen took refuge in a cellar. During the storm, on the evening of November 26, Eddystone Lighthouse showed its light as usual. The yellowish glare could be seen until close to midnight. Some weeks before the storm, when Stanley said that he wished he could be at Eddystone for the greatest storm that ever blew under the face of heaven, so he would see what effect it would have on his building.
0: Didn't have to wait long. He was there for the great storm in November 1703 with five other men, completing some repairs. After the storm, nothing of the lighthouse was left on the rock and no trace was ever found of Win Stanley and the other men.
1: Some have criticized Win Stanley as a showman who had no business building a lighthouse in an exposed, wave-swept location. But he did something that had never been done before, and it did last for five years. It was destroyed by one of England's worst storms in history.
0: We'll continue the saga of the lighthouses on the Eddystone rocks in the next edition of Lighthearted.
1: And now it's time for the interview with today's guest. Braddock Point Lighthouse was established on the south shore of Lake Ontario in Hilton, New York, a few miles northwest of Rochester, in 1896. The lighthouse was originally a tall brick tower accompanied by a magnificent two-and-a-half story brick Victorian keeper's house. The original three-and-a-half order Fresnel lens was the brightest on Lake Ontario. Most of the lighthouse tower was later removed, and the light was relocated to a skeleton tower. The government sold the property into private hands, and Braddock Point Lighthouse was eventually converted into a bed-and-breakfast inn.
0: Since 2008, the owners have been Don and Nandy Town. Their daughter Larissa and her husband Casey Moulton are now hosting guests year-round. I spoke with Casey Moulton on the phone in February. Let's listen to that conversation now thanks so much for joining me today casey thanks for having me jeremy casey i'd love it if you could tell us a little bit about the history of the lighthouse Uh, i understand the tower at one point had to be shortened because bricks were falling out and i know the private owners have carried out a great deal of restoration uh in the past few decades
2: Yes, in fact, um, within the very first three months, the tower was having uh, some structural problems uh, because, you see, our our tower actually has the unique uh, designation that it was a former lighthouse before it was the Braddock Point Lighthouse. Um, I'll explain. Um, In 1872, uh, they constructed the Cleveland Harbor Lighthouse, and that was decommissioned uh, at the end of the decade. Um, And that lighthouse uh, tower and the light all of that was uh, dismantled, taken apart, put in the crates and mailed up to Hilton, New York, because you see that light actually threw 15 miles out onto uh, Lake Erie. And they needed a light that could throw 15 miles out onto Lake Ontario because of this, uh, there's a structure, a geographical structure called the devil's nose that juts out about 15 miles and all throughout there's shoals and rocks that ships could get caught up on. So this light actually, uh, was considered to be, uh, I guess, early recycling, if you will. And it actually was an innovation. You know, let's save this light and use it somewhere else. Unfortunately, Lake Erie is more shallow than Lake Ontario. Lake Ontario is the smallest of the Great Lakes, but it is the second deepest. And because of that, the weather is more virulent. So you have stronger winds, uh, harsher gales blowing during the wintertime. So um, within the first three months of it being built, there were already uh, bricks starting to fall out of it. The structure came into question. In fact, the first lighthouse keeper, Frank Coleman, uh, wrote in his log books that he needed people to come out and fix the towers. And this was an occurrence that happened every year. People would come out and repair the tower. And this went on throughout the entire history of the tower. There were constant repairs being made on it. And in fact, there was almost a fire when it was first built because the oil system was not installed properly, so I believe it was put in upside down, Hmm. Um, so it almost burned down within the first three months of its very existence. But by 1952, after all the years of its repairs, fissures had started to form along the sides of the tower. There were cracks, so so these are deep cracks running up the brick, and um, the federal government said, well, we've had enough, you know, we can make an autonomous uh, skeletal tower that doesn't need any maintenance and doesn't need a lighthouse keeper. So they cut it two-thirds of it off and actually threw it into the lake. And uh, to this day, you'll find old bricks washing up on the shore that are actually parts of the old lighthouse. And somewhere out there is the original tower, the top of the tower. Yeah. And in 1998, um, Robert Thulin, the owner of the property at the time, had this big idea, this big project. He wanted to get that beacon that was on the skeletal tower brought back over to its original container. So he uh, had uh, someone design I'm not actually sure if he um, designed it himself the top of the tower, a new cap at a third of the height, and an act of Congress in 1998 if you can believe it, he had to lobby Congress they actually transferred that light back onto its original pedestal mm-hmm. and um, it's it's been lit ever since uh, currently it is a, a LED lens, mm-hmm. uh, the cost of $10,000 from taxpayer dollars. And, uh, and it's powered by taxpayers as well. And uh, about every uh, six months, like during the summertime, the US government uh, will send the US Coast Guard right. from Buffalo. And their, their area of triangulation where they kind of work is between Ohio, Virginia, and New York. Mm-hmm. And they go around to those towers and they inspect the lights. And uh, they actually, they're, they're a really nice group of guys. Um, uh, they, they come through the front door, the original front door of the tower, and uh, they work on the light. They, they inspect it. They uh, see, you know, what needs to be done. My wife actually asked them this past time, can you clean, uh, clean the windows up there for me? <laughs> uh-huh. So, you know, that's a, that's, a, that's a difficult area to reach a course because it's, um, you know, we're at about 110 feet today up to the top of the spire. Yeah. And it, when you're standing in the tower, it's at about 97 feet. Uh-huh. But um, that is that's the sort of history of the physical uh, structure. Uh, so it uses it throws 14 miles out in the lake and it uses less energy mm-hmm. than any light before it. Right. So before yeah. so and from from 1896 to 19, uh, uh, 1916, it uh, used uh, kerosene oil. And then in 1916, it switched to a kerosene vapor. And by 1926, it was uh, electrified yeah so from that point on it was electrified yeah.
0: uh, uh tool now we've come all the way to an led light yes. so that's, well, that's, that's, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's great that it's uh an aid to navigation again i mean what's a lighthouse without a light uh my wife always says, right? says says a lighthouse without a light is like it's like it has no soul you know so uh i think it's oh, a great yeah. great thing that your lighthouse is a working lighthouse again Absolutely, yeah well, thank you for that history that's that's really interesting now, I understand yeah. the lighthouse is not actually located at Braddock Point, but it's actually at a place called bogus point uh what what's that yes, all? yeah what's that all about <laughs> um,
2: it's actually that's that's an interesting point you're the first person to come to me uh knowing that uh, that um i usually uh tease folks with that uh at the end of my tour so when the surveyors uh came up with the lighthouse in a strategic point. They thought they were standing on Braddock Point, and thus it got the name the Braddock Point Lighthouse. And it's even been referred to as the Braddock Bay Lighthouse uh, by certain publications and at certain times. Um, But the Braddock Point Lighthouse is a misnomer because it is, in fact, on Bogus Point. And Bogus Point gets its name um, from nefarious activities that took place in this area. So allegedly, at one point in time, uh, there was a counterfeit money operation going on here. Uh, This is the stuff of myths and legends, but uh, there was supposedly a cave around here where some uh, uh, unsavory people would uh, counterfeit money between the U.S. and Canada. So allegedly that was going on. And then, of course, this is during the Prohibition era, and there's a lot of whiskey running going on in this area from Canada. um, There's even a, a, a legend of some gangsters coming across the lake. That one time, it completely froze over. And they drove their Model A Fords across the ice with uh cases of whiskey in tow <laughs> huh. but um uh, yeah, so um that's kind of how it gets its name the bocus you know bogus point uh, but uh next right next door to us is the Bogus point Park of parma, and that is actually where they erected that skeletal tower uh between nineteen fifty two and nineteen ninety
0: eight Okay. I uh sadly have not had the pleasure of visiting your lighthouse. I certainly hope to and I, I will one of these days. But uh I was looking at the photos and your website. It's, it sure looks beautiful. It looks like everything is uh very tastefully restored. It looks like uh, uh the you know, it looks uh his very historically again tastefully restored, but there are also modern conveniences. Uh what can you tell us about the property and the accommodations that people should expect if they stay there.
2: Absolutely. I think the great thing about this lighthouse is um, when people, and this is just from what I've heard, but people who have stayed at lighthouses usually have a story about having to uh, take care of the lighthouse and been a lighthouse keeper for a week. Hmm. Um, And uh, we we don't have any work here for folks. Like uh, this is a leisure location. So People get to enjoy the history of the building and the history of the area because I mean, being near Rochester, uh, there is so much history uh, between Susan B. Anthony and Frederick Douglass and all of the sorts of things that you can do. Like uh, being able to come here, it's a nice, quiet neighborhood. It's a nice, quiet location. We have beautiful sunsets during the summer on the lake, and of course during. Uh, we're in, we're in our winter season right now, but it's it's almost like winter Christmassy magic, if you will. I'm saying that in the middle of February, but um, snow can be really pretty, especially when you see um, there's sort of a vortex of snow when the light is on at night, swirls yeah. around the light because of the wind ripping around it. It's, it's absolutely beautiful. But um, people can really expect uh, the opportunity to relax and even get away for a romantic weekend. We get a lot of folks from the State Department A lot of uh, people who've uh, worked in NSA, who've worked for the CIA, they come out here and they come out here just to decompress and relax and get away from it all. So Mm -hmm. if you're looking for a peaceful, quiet weekend that you can maybe spend with a loved one, we have three rooms uh, for folks to stay in. uh, So we can accommodate up to six people. So it'd be a nice little uh, place for people to get away to for a romantic weekend. We serve breakfast. Um, We have our specialties, of course, uh, uh, and uh, we also uh, have a historical tour for folks. People come on a historical tour and then they get to actually go up the, tra- the tower mm-hmm. um, and they get to um, see the house. We, there's been a lot of uh, renovations done throughout the nineties by the as well as 10 years of uh, accruing antiques and even items that belong to the lighthouse that have returned. Uh, we have a lot of people in the community who come to us and they'll tell us, you know, Oh, this piece of furniture, was actually, you know, belonged to the lighthouse and my relative uh took it when it was uh sitting empty during the nineteen fifties. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of funny. <laughs> but um uh it's really nice to have uh that, that connection with the community and that connection with history. This isn't just a lighthouse, this has also been a home of uh, of of families. And it's been a story of survival. This was a story of survival of folks on the lake as well as the people that lived here in this lighthouse. And originally, um, back in 1896, um, the payment for a U.S. lighthouse keeper that stayed here wasn't very big. It was modest stipend, but they had 13 acres of land to work. So their payment was that they got to the farm the land while they took care of the light. There's a lot of work living here. So there's a lot of work and love that's gone into it over the years as well from the private owners uh, in order to keep it, uh, you know, looking beautiful and uh, and. Uh, consistent with its uh, time period. We, uh, all, we do have modern conveniences as well. Um, so uh, there, aren't a, there aren't a bunch of TVs around the house, but there is one. And we also have uh, a little uh, music system playing some quiet music. At night, we play a little bit of soft jazz. And uh, of course, during the daytime, we have some uh, classical music
0: uh, playing. I understand uh, stays at Braddock Point Lighthouse have been offered as a grand prize on the Price is Right. Uh, that's, that's pretty cool. Is that, is that correct.
2: That is, that is correct. In fact, uh, <laughs> there's a kind of a funny story connected with that. Um, so, um, my wife's father, who is the lighthouse keeper, Donald Town, um, he actually uh, got a call. His, his wife picked up, and uh, she came and grabbed him, and she said, "Hollywood's calling, Donnie." And he, he said, "Yeah, right. You know." Uh, but she was like, "No, seriously. This is Hollywood's calling. if The Price is Right he wants to use the lighthouse as their grand prize." And I, don't, I think we might have had actually uh, one contestant stay here. But uh, it is it is really cool to actually see people uh, playing for us as their grand prize. So uh-huh. the, the, it's an exciting thing. And it's been great advertisement, too. Um, a lot of people have called up here and were like, how did you find out about us? And they're like, you were on The prices Right. I saw you uh, yesterday and... It's it's a it's a it's a neat thing because there aren't a lot of lighthouses out there um, that you can actually uh, stay at, especially in a leisure leisure way. Right. So we offer the history of the property, while also being able to relax and get away from it
0: all. Uh, you mentioned mm-hmm. uh, romantic weekends as uh, a popular thing. I yes. noticed uh, on the website it mentions the enchanted evening special. Do you want to say a little bit mm-hmm. more about that?
2: Yes, um, it's basically just a nice little evening during the summertime. Uh, we set up an area outside where folks can have a, have a, a little uh, little dessert and uh, sit, by the, sit uh, near the sunset and enjoy it going down. Um, during the wintertime, of course, we have to uh, change uh, the area. We can't sit outside because it's snowy. So some people choose to have it by the fireplace while there's a nice warm fire crackling or um, even in the stone conservatory which is a solarium. It's a sunroom. So folks can actually sit in there and then enjoy a little dessert and uh, a romantic evening together with some soft jazz music.
0: Sounds pretty Mm -hmm. nice. I understand you also uh, host weddings and other small events as well.
2: Yes, we we do small events, um, ancillary events. And um, uh, they they have done a few weddings in the past. We've done a lot of wedding uh, photo shoots as well so a lot of uh, photography happens here. Um, We're uh, going to be hosting. We have some things we're going to be hosting coming up. We've done a lot of uh, uh, open houses for the community where folks have have been able to come in and uh, see us dressed up for Christmas. We have a ton of Christmas decorations, I will tell you that. (laughs) We get all decked out. And um, of course, we have different seasonal dressing for the property as well. So during the fall, we had corn stalks and we had, uh, you know, uh, things of that sort around the property. And, uh, we even had a Halloween tour this fall where I, I dressed up in, uh, period clothing and I even had mutton shops and I gave a little, <laughs> uh, spooky tour. Um, of course, I, and I'll just, this is a disclaimer. The lighthouse is not haunted, uh, but I told some scary <laughs> stories that might have been tall tales, if you will, <laughs> cool. uh, about the area. So, um, we do little things like that and um we don't we don't have a a large number of people uh coming to the property but i've also done uh tours for some local groups mm-hmm. we had a uh, a group of uh senior citizens they actually came there were 60 of them and i i gave them an abridged tour of the property and uh i took them up the tower 6 by 6 uh 10 times so up and down up and down <laughs> the tower yeah so uh, we've done things like this and we are looking into doing uh some more with weddings uh we would love to have some folks we're thinking more uh elopements like getaways people who want to get married but they have a, a small group of people uh, like people in the in, closest in their orbit uh, maybe uh their their parents are uh, best friends um, but we could uh we and we could and we have uh parking and availability for um, events where there might be a little bit more people.
0: One, yeah. fi- one final question for you. How can people find out more about the Braddock Point Lighthouse Bed and Breakfast? We have a website
2: online. It, it's up and running. It's beautiful. Um, it, was, it, it is. It's new. Yes. And you, you can send an email to either myself or my wife, and one of us will get back to you.
0: Yeah, it really is a beautiful website. The lead photo on the front of the website is just gorgeous. Uh, it's braddockpointlighthouse.com. Casey Moulton, I really appreciate you spending time with me today. Thank you so much uh, to you and Larissa. Thank you for having me.
1: There are quite a few lighthouses around the United States where you can stay overnight. To find a list, go to the U.S. Lighthouse Society website at uslhs.org. Click on Fun at the menu at the top, then click on Lighthouse Accommodations.
0: I also have a list of lighthouses around the world with accommodations on my website. Go to www.newenglandlighthouses.net. Use the menu across the top, go to Links, and then go to Lighthouses with Overnight Accommodations. And now it's trivia question time.
1: The first two people to answer the following question correctly will win prizes.
0: And here is today's question. If you've been listening carefully to this edition of Lighthearted, you should know the answer. In what month and year did the first lighthouse on the Eddystone rocks in England go into service? Again, in what month and year did the first Eddystone lighthouse in England go into service?
1: The first person to answer correctly gets a 2019 U.S. Lighthouse Society calendar with beautiful photos by U.S. LHS members. The second gets a Lighthouse Illumination DVD, which takes you on a tour through the history of Lighthouse Illumination. To
0: enter, send your answer in an email to me at jeremy at USLHS.org. Be sure to say that you are answering the trivia question in Lighthearted Episode 8. And again, send it in an email to jeremy at uslhs.org. That's j-e-r-e-m-y at uslhs.org. And again, the first two people to answer correctly will win prizes. That's it for this edition of Lighthearted. We want to thank the staff of the Portsmouth Public Library, thanks to the staff, volunteers and members of the U.S. Lighthouse Society with a special shout out to Jeff, Maria, Cassandra, everybody at the headquarters at Point No Point in Washington.
1: To learn more about the U.S. Lighthouse Society, be sure to visit uslhs.org and you can also visit social media pages on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram.
0: And, of course, very special thanks to today's guest, Casey Moulton of Braddock Point Lighthouse in New York. You can check uh, that lighthouse out online at braddockpointlighthouse.com. And, of course, thanks to my co-host today, Michelle Jewell-Shaw. For anyone who will be in the vicinity of the New Hampshire seacoast this summer, be sure to stop by Portsmouth Harbor Lighthouse in Newcastle, New Hampshire on a Sunday afternoon where you can meet Michelle and my other frequent co-host, Cindy Johnson. On most Sundays, all three of us are there.
1: Thank you for having me again with you today, Jeremy. It was, as always, a pleasure. I look forward to seeing lots of our listeners at open houses. And if you come within the near future, you'll get to see a pretty exciting thing that's happening at Portsmouth Harbor Lighthouse. She is getting a much needed paint job. So that is happening now. The staging has gone up and it is underway. So we look forward to seeing you and thank you for listening today.
0: And as always, thanks for listening and keep a good light.